Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. I'm your host, Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Braunbacher. Hello. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Um, good to see you as always, ladies. Um, if you guys are watching this video, you may recognize that, uh, Miss Alexa Ray is not here today. Um, I have been told that she is apparently completely backflipped off the earth officially and is now dealing with the consequences of space travel. <laughs> so she will be busy with that consequence situation um, for a couple of weeks, but um, she will be back um, in the not-too-distant future, but we wanted you guys to let you know um, that we will be getting some fun guest stars on What's Good Games in the next couple of weeks. Some uh, friends of ours that we've been looking forward to getting on the show, starting with Miss Kim Wallace from Game Informer next week. Yay! Ooh. I love Kim! Or maybe it's maybe it's the week after. Not next week. The it's week, week after. after. Yeah, I can do math. I'm good at it. It's hard. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm bad. Um, but, um, we're looking forward to that. So if there is anybody that you guys would like to see on the show someday that uh, you think would be uh, really fun to hear from, tweet to us at what's good underscore games. Go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash what's good games. You can also email us at contact at what's good games.com. If you guys have a favorite podcaster or video game personality that you love, um, I also have some fun news. Um, you may have heard on the show us having a whole um, discussion about the hippos in Assassin's <laughs> Creed Origins. Um, talking, ending with Alex Ray saying that how she, that's how she attacks people. She runs at them with her mouth open. Um, <laughs> we had an amazing thing happen. Um, somebody from the internet heard this show and reached out to us. Her name is JC, and she sent us an amazing design of a hippo with its mouth open, and it says, I'm ready to attack. <laughs> um, Prime it's attack really, mode. really cute. So the good. artwork is fantastic. Um, we are, of course, putting it on a t-shirt that you guys can buy at our store. That's teespring.com slash stores slash what's good games. We'll, of course, be putting it on the social media channels for you guys to take a look at. Um, that is going to be really fun. So thank you, JC, for, for whipping that up for us. And you guys are going to be able to benefit from that. I also do have a piece of personal news that I would like to share. Um, if you missed my announcement on social media, I am officially leading a round table at DICE. Uh, that is the summit put on by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, the people who put on the DICE awards. Um, and, the roundtable that I'm leading is called the Engaging New Audiences, the Changing Face of the Gamer, which is something that I'm really excited to to talk to some of the awesome creators that come to DICE about 
leaders in the field of video games and technology. Um, you guys can learn more about that by heading on over to the Dice Summit website. And you can find that. I should have had this pulled up and ready to go. We're professionals. At, this is uh, what DiceSummit.org. Um, just like it sounds, DiceSummit.org if you want to learn more about that. Um, just wanted to throw that out there. It was kind of a cool announcement that uh, happened for me this very week. cool. And congratulations on that. You will kill it. Thanks. They just don't I'm kill anyone. Yeah. yeah, I've never actually um, hosted a roundtable at Dice before. I've covered the red carpet um, and the awards from Dice a couple of times now, um, but uh, this will be my first time, so I'm a little nervous. But I think it'll be fun. Oh, it'll be, be great, girl. You Thanks. killed those Nintendo World Championships. You can handle a roundtable at Dice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's true. That's that's very kind of you to say. This is a little bit more intimidating because. Literally anybody who has a pass to the summit can sit down at my round table. Um, and so, I mean, what if like, you know, some really cool people sit down and I get all nervous? You'll be like, I'm They're a like, cool person too. It's fine. We all poop. just picture them naked. No, yeah. Perfect. So we all poop or picture them naked. One or the other people, they both do the same thing. Um, I'll leave the pooping aside. Maybe the nudity (laughs) might be, might be better. Um, but, um, we, um, have some other, uh, fun stuff happening over on our Patreon page. Britt, you posted our January exclusive video. Exclusive video and secret segment. It was really fun. Yes. The secret segment was us talking about some of our favorite memories of 2017, like when Steimer ate a corn dog on Splash Mountain. That I did. Yep, and you can access that if you pay us, pay us, pledge to us. I hate saying pay to us. You know what I mean? It just sounds so douchey. If you yes. pledge five dollars more at Patreon at patreon.com slash what's good games. And I also uploaded our exclusive video, which is free for all patrons, and that is the Easy Bake Oven fiasco. It was uh, fiasco a hot indeed. mess. Literally. Well, no, not literally. It wasn't even, the food never it was got a that lu- hot. It was a lukewarm mess. <laughs> a lukewarm mess. Um, yes, thank you again to Adult Swim Games for sending that Battle Chef Brigade um, Easy Bake Oven to us. We uh, put it to good use and uh, had some fun times. Uh, thank you again to all of our patrons uh, for uh, supporting us and making ridiculous videos like that oh my gosh it's it is ridiculous so yeah (laughs) um all right so without further ado let's go ahead and get started on this week's show wow what an incredible week of news so far finally even missed um last week you probably noticed the glaring omission of the nintendo labo announcement in our show because uh we taped our show before nintendo dropped that crazy announcement so i just wanted to briefly touch on that since we didn't get a chance to discuss it amongst ourselves last week steimer mm-hmm. do you buy into the idea of nintendo cardboard <laughs> i mean i'm not seven years old so for me personally no but like i, I can no. see how it would be a fun <laughs> thing for kids um the only thing i think like the price is kind of ridiculous but i mean because i'm like it's card you're you're selling people cardboard kits for 70 what bucks is- it's seventy dollars. Is it sixty well, or seventy? I can't remember. And it's so there's that two includes software, right? Yeah. So it includes the game. So let me um just as a refresher, I 
you know, just assume that most of you out there listening and watching the show heard about the Nintendo Labo announcement last week. But let me give you um, a little bit of a refresher of what these are precisely. They're basically so, paper craft, but on crack. Build yourself peripherals. Yes, exactly. They're, they're peripherals that go with um, pieces of software. So the first one um, is the robot kit, which promises to provide both children and adults with a keenness of hands-on activities with a kit that allows for the creation form of a robot suit with a backpack loaded with DIY pulleys used to create a more tactile world to control to control a giant stomping robot on the Switch console. So this, of course, pairs with a piece of software, a game, uh, for the console. And then you have the the Tech Cons, I believe, is the other pack. And that one is a little bit cheaper, $10 cheaper. And that comes with several different little um, pieces of... <laughs> cardboard <laughs> um, i mean these are these are build these are buildable things so that's right. the, the toy con excuse me is what it's called and it's uh five different toy con projects uh two rc cars one fishing rod one house one motorbike and one piano so these are customizable as well they come with sticker sheets uh string sponge sheets grommets um all kinds of things and uh you can buy tape individually uh, to decorate them as well. So that is $69.99. The robot, $79.99. Huh. I, I mean, you know, Samer, you said you're not seven years old, so you're not interested in it. But I'm sure, you know, there are adults out there who like the crafty shenaniganry. And I'm yeah, sure there are definitely craftier people than I am. Yeah, as for me, I, you know, if people love this, great, fantastic. I'm happy for you. It's just totally not my thing. But I, you know, if it does well, I'm sure Nintendo will continue to support it. And if it does not do well, I'm sure it'll die out like the Vitality Sensor, like the Wii. Oh, yeah. The, the board called, well, I can't remember the name of that. It was the board, the Wii board. Was it called the Wii? The, oh, uh, oh. It had a different yeah, name yeah, than sure Wii board. Balance, board. balance board. Balance board, right? yeah. I read a funny story that the German the German ratings board, I think the janitorial staff almost threw away um, the Nintendo Labo. Labo? 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 Labo. 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 Yeah, and because uh, they thought it was just trash, but this was a while oh, ago. Oh, no. I thought that was pretty <laughs> I mean, well. technically it, it kind of is, but it's it's intended garbage. Yeah. But like, I, well, like, because, I don't know, I don't think of cardboard as like a real material but that's some high quality cardboard right there <laughs> yeah cardboard is actually pretty dangerous in the sense that like you can get some gnarly cuts with cardboard if you're not careful <laughs> i know this because a uh college roommate of mine sliced her knee open with cardboard on accident obviously um so i'm curious to see if, nice. if, uh, if there'll be any injuries with this whilst building but I think it's an interesting concept. Like, I do really like it when Nintendo does weird stuff like this because I'm always curious to see how well it lands with the general public. Yeah, they do some weird stuff, and sometimes I, I love it. Sometimes I hate it. I know they're twi- trying to appeal to not the, the, to the non-core gamers of the world, um, and this is probably one of the first steps they're making. Well, a first step they're making, a major first step they're taking. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they obviously are gearing this towards children. I mean, that is expected. If you look at the Nintendo Labo website, they have two workshops that are, they're going to kind of test run some of the software, um, with kids out in the wild. And those are geared towards, uh, kids ages six to 12. Um, over on Polygon, um, Charlie Hall wrote a piece called What Every Parent Should Know About Nintendo Labo. Um, he started out his article with, as the proud owner of several curious, industrious children, I shed a literal tear when I learned about Nintendo Labo, the line of custom-made cardboard contraptions for the Nintendo Switch. Here is a toy specifically designed for nerdy parents like me. Since its announcement yesterday, which was obviously last week, I've been doing a lot of thinking about how I'm going to introduce it to my kids. Um, he goes on to talk about how you should get the variety kit first and how you're going to need to explain that the Switch is not a toy, that it's a computer, and that... Mommy and Daddy both have their Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild save game sitting right there. So oh, under those circumstances, you should spill your juice on that. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, maybe put those saves in a memory card and then hide the memory card. And a safe thought. Security <laughs> lasers, a guard dog. Um, but essentially, like, the idea is that, um, that it's cardboard. So it's only going to be strong up into a certain degree and that the rubber bands will eventually give out and that you know you're going to be lucky if this thing lasts a couple of weeks before it breaks set expectations so to speak um and i've you know i was very i wasn't very critical i i was a little bit skeptical when i talked about this on games daily last week and i got a lot of heat from people online being like this is amazing i can't believe that you're hating on it and like i'm not hating on it um I think that it's a really neat and innovative and imaginative idea. I think the idea of using the the switch inside some of these certain pieces and making them customizable so you can color on them and put stickers and things on them is is really awesome. And I think it, it's a nice blend of, you know, crafty creativity, which we love to do in our Patreon videos, um, and, and technology. However... I'm concerned that you're putting a $300 piece of equipment inside some cardboard that could break, that could get thrown, that could get dropped. Um, and I know obviously the Switch is designed to take a little bit of dings here and there, but it's still like you can't like drop it around. Yeah. yeah, it's still like a mini computer um, and, and an expensive piece of technology for most families. Um, and if you spill things on it, if the cardboard rips, uh, the idea that like the piano, for example, like what happens if somebody accidentally steps on it, bam, it's crushed, it's done, you know, and like Nintendo has said that they're going to be, um, or there's, uh, stories out there saying that they're going to be putting the, uh, stencils and things online so that industrious parents could essentially recreate these from Amazon boxes, uh, so to speak. But mm. I mean, I don't know if everybody has time for that. I know some people look at crafting as a fun way to interact with their kids, but other parents maybe just want to actually do the game instead of actually the crafting component with it. Every family is going to be different, but these were just some concerns that I had with it. But overall, I think we're not going to know how it is until we try it. So I would really like to see how robust the software is. I'm with Steimer. I think the price is too high unless the software is really good. But then again, everything about the Nintendo Switch, except for the base price of the console, is too high. The Joy-Cons are too expensive. The Pro Controller is too expensive. Um, the idea that you're paying 70 or 80 bucks for essentially glorified cardboard seems too expensive even though it does come with software but <laughs> yeah especially because it is targeted for children and obviously children never buy anything themselves but like you want to ha- like help those parents out a little bit right like 
give them a little bit better of a price point so that they don't feel or like you can feel more justified with it. But like, yeah, like you said, Andrea, I mean, if the software is like makes you macaroni and cheese, then maybe <laughs> it's also so, worth it. Um, I admittedly haven't read up too much on this. So is the software going to be exclusive? Like, do you have to put the software in the cardboard in order to play some of these games? Do we know? What That's do you a mean? Great question. Do you, I mean, like the, the trailer I saw, they were putting like controllers and joy cons and other things like in certain parts of the cardboard and then moving around. So I imagine it's just all motion based, but what I'm right, wondering so you is, wouldn't like, need the cardboard is what you're saying. Well, or would you like, do you know what I mean? Like, is I like don't think it, I don't think it's smart enough to detect whether or not it's encased in cardboard. Well, no, 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 no. What I mean is like, do you have to have like the joy con behind your right shoulder, for example, mm. in order for like another controller to work kind of thing? Like, does like that gyroscope enabled? That's a good question. I would imagine yes, um, because it would probably be difficult, particularly with like the robots one, for example, to to use that without it. But I don't know. Um, we haven't gotten a chance to try these for ourselves, and I haven't seen a hands-on demo from any outlets yet. We should build one. Oh no! Totally. Like, oh, I no. think this is great. We for, should definitely like, try it. Lego sure. building families. Hell, I used to build with Lincoln Logs when I was a kid. So Hell yeah, I girl. love Lincoln Logs. Yeah. So like that part, I'm like, okay, that's cool. It's just I think, I think it's gonna things are gonna get broken and like people are gonna get mad <laughs> because yeah. Like, if I you mean, put mommy and daddy's switch in there with their Legend of Zelda, like that just seems like a bad idea. Well, I mean, and you you bring up two staple building toys, Lincoln Logs and Legos, both things which are almost infinitely reusable, right? And like, fairly uh, indestructible. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can like throw those things around, step on them, yell at the sky when you step on them, um, and then <laughs> yes. you know, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I got distracted because I was talking, and then I see that there's a very thin strand of spider web that is connecting my microphone to the ceiling. (laughs) I'm definitely afraid that there's going to be a spider that drops out onto my microphone sometime during the podcast. Hold on. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why you need to subscribe to us at youtube.com slash what's good game so you can watch this ridiculousness as it's happening. (laughs) Oh my God. I look like I'm crazy, but I swear to God, there was a spider web there. Um, (laughs) Anyway, what I was saying was like, we'll see, right? yeah, I think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait and see. Now, I had um, I did have one parent who reached out to me who wrote about uh, craft kits and how they're essentially disposable, and that you know you pay a pretty penny in craft stores to do craft kits with your kids. Think about like a gingerbread house, for example, and how much you would pay in all of the decorating supplies and the base materials to like essentially build a gingerbread house. And yeah, then, but you like, can eat it. Okay, maybe a gingerbread house was a bad example. Um, let's <laughs> infinitely do... better because it's food. No, I understand I the know. point you're making. The point I'm making is that there are like there are relatively turkeys. disposable crafty projects that are not cheap to do as well. But I would I would argue to this parent when I and I didn't I let it go. But the that like I don't know I've never seen a, a disposable craft kit for seventy bucks. Like maybe right. I'm not, I'm not doubting that they exist. I'm just saying that. Most parents out there probably are not buying $70 kits that are one-time use 
things for their kids. Right. Especially if going out on a limb, parents, if I'm wrong and you're listening to the show and you're like, actually, I spend way more on my kids. Please let me know. Kids are expensive. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I think my biggest concern, too, is if you have to buy the cardboard kit and you have to use you have to buy the additional game as well, then it just becomes ridiculously expensive. That seems a little unreasonable. And like I said, I haven't looked into this too much. I'm not sure if that's the case, but if it is, that's ridiculous. That's way too expensive. You'll get yeah. it like a hundred dollars probably. Anyway, whatever, whatever and brings that, me happiness. Yeah. I'm not judging. I spent yeah. eight hundred dollars on Pokemon Go. It's fine. That's I'm true. not a place to judge anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's get to the news of this week. I just wanted to touch on that because we didn't get a chance to uh, talk about it an hour later. Um, so the big news of the week, something that I am incredibly excited about. Xbox Game Pass will include first-party games day one. So I have a statement here from Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, that they posted on um, the Xbox Wire this week. And I'm going to read it for you. When we launched Xbox Game Pass in June 2017, we knew we wanted to craft a service with gamers in mind. That meant a diverse, expanding library of over 100 games and counting, matched with one monthly price and unlimited access to download and full fidelity experiences. We've been blown away by the incredible response. Following launch, we heard from fans around the world who wanted Xbox Game Pass in their country. In September, we expanded globally, and Xbox Game Pass is now available to fans in 40 countries. We've also continued to expand the catalog with new games added to the Xbox Game Pass library every month, so there's always something new to play. We know our fans value having a variety of games to play at a low monthly price. We've also heard from fans that the ability to play new blockbuster games in Xbox Game Pass is important. So I cut a little bit out here. Moving forward, we plan to release all new Xbox One exclusive games from Microsoft Studios into Xbox Game Pass on the same date as their global release. This means that when Sea of Thieves launches on March 20th, it will be included in Xbox Game Pass to all members. This plan to bring new games timed with their global release into Xbox Game Pass not only includes... Announced titles like Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2, and Crackdown 3, but future unannounced games from Microsoft Studios, including new iterations of our biggest Xbox One exclusive franchises, such as Halo, Forza, and Gears of War, on the same day as they launch. Our fans have also asked for more choice in the subscription offerings available for Xbox Game Pass. As part of today's library expansion, we are also pleased to announce that we are working closely with our retail partners, such as GameStop, to offer a six-month Xbox Game Pass subscription card for those fans who want a variety of ways to purchase and enjoy new games and services. The six-month Xbox Game Pass subscription card will be available at select retail partners for $59.99 beginning March 20th. We've only scratched the surface of the opportunity this new model brings to the industry and what we can deliver to our fans. We firmly believe Xbox Game Pass will be a catalyst to create new opportunities for game developers and publishers to innovate in the way the games are developed and delivered, leading to entirely new ways to play. This is so this beautiful. Is I could cry. I could cry. This yes. is so beautiful. <laughs> I like, I like, I'm like literally tearing. I could not believe yeah. it when this announcement came out. I was like, wait a minute. I had to go back and read it a couple of times to make sure that I was understanding it right. This is exactly what Xbox needed to do. And 
I saw some chatter amongst um, some other industry journals this week saying that this is essentially their vision of like the digital connectivity that they launched the Xbox One with when they announced it way back when in, in like uh, 2013, that this is like what they were looking for or this is what they, they were trying to achieve. And they got this like incredible backlash from like this always connected box. But I feel like this is what they were aiming for, Right. No, no, you're not. It's, it's not that. I'm just. I'm. I'm perplexed by this decision. Unless, are you do looking for mean, a catch? Do they mean you? Do they mean you get the whole game, or like, do you? Yeah. I'm just like. I'm like. Are you just there? So to me, the business side of it is like. What's the like, catch? Because, right? No, it's more of like they would be losing fuck tons of money doing this. Or I did some napkin math earlier this week. <laughs> When I was hosting with Tim for Games Daily, I was like, let's just break this down, like math wise. Um, and so like the napkin math is, um, if, if everyone's, so Xbox Game Pass is $9.99 a month. So 10 bucks a month. Yes. Let's That's say only $100 that there's, or right, sorry, so 120. Like 20. I, there are not 12 months on the year. <laughs> there are, so Xbox has not released how many Xbox Ones are in the wild, right? They haven't released global sales numbers. And so we can, uh, estimates from analysts put it between 30 and 40 million. So let's just skew down and say it's 30 million Xbox Ones exist in the world. Let's say only 10% of people who own an Xbox One choose to subscribe to Xbox Game Pass. Just 10%. So 3 million people. At $10 a pop, that's $30 million a month, $360 million a year in revenue just from the Game Pass subscription. And this is all, this is my hypothetical model. It could mm-hmm. be more, could be less. I would guess that it's probably going to be more. Um, plus they also have revenue coming in from Xbox Live Gold. Cause while you don't need Xbox Live Gold to have Xbox Game Pass, if you have access to a game like Sea of Thieves, you which need requires live. you to be online and you want to play it for your $9.99, you probably want to also get the game, the Xbox Live Gold subscription to go with it. So think about how much extra revenue they're generating just on subscription fees alone. Whereas, you know, like, are they going to sell, you know, 2 million copies of Sea of Thieves? I hope so, but we don't know. But- Not only that, this is also super enticing for those who don't have an Xbox, right? Or Xbox One. Because you, if you've been a PlayStation gamer your whole life or whatever, you're like, oh, you know, I would love to play Halo, Forza, Crackdown, State of Decay, whatever the hell, Gears of War. Um, and you haven't played them on PC or whatever. It's, it's not as, um, it's not as a hard a pill to swallow to know that you can buy the console and then you don't have to pay for any of these games that you want to experience. All you have to do is pay $10 a month. You don't have to pay $60 for every game that you want or pay that used fee. So that's where I think this might even push console sales as well for people that don't already have one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the big game changer between Xbox Game Pass and what PlayStation Now is doing is that you can download the game and play it offline. So if it's a game like State of Decay, the original, for example, you can download it and you can just play it. You don't have to stream it, which is a really big hang-up for PlayStation Now, is that the streaming technology really is only 
efficient and effective when you have a very good internet connection where you're either hardwired in on your console and you have high-speed internet. Um, I hear time and time again from people who use PlayStation now and from my own experiences that if you're using it over Wi-Fi or if you don't have a great connection, you know, there's stutter, there's lag, there's issues with resolution. Um, Xbox Game Pass eliminates a lot of that by downloading the game to your system. Um, and so I'm really excited to see where this goes. I think Xbox absolutely needed to do something like this to invigorate their offering compared to what Sony is bringing with the first party exclusives and what Switch is doing with their first party exclusives and what, what, with the appeal that indies have on Switch right now and the portability of Switch. I mean, Xbox, I mean, I'm not saying that they have been struggling because they've clearly been doing well and I really love my Xbox One X and I think the S is a great piece of hardware, but they haven't brought the games the way that I think we all were hoping. Third-party games, yes, are great on Xbox, just like they are on PS4. But, I mean, this is super exciting for people who are fans of Xbox or want to be. It's just super exciting in general. I feel, I mean, I love this industry, but, you know, the politics of business, whatever, it's, it's, it's crucial. But to see, like, a move like this... Like I said, like I was almost, I didn't quite tear up, but I was almost wanting to tear up. I'm like, this is so beautiful. This is so good. This is such good, such good, the warm and fuzzies. Good job. To me, I don't know. I guess like, don't get me wrong. I think this is fantastic. And I think it, like Andrea said, like they needed to do something like this. I'm still not convinced. Like I'm not convinced with your napkin math, Andrea. And I think this is going, I mean, but then granted, like the games they currently have coming out this year, I think you're correct. Like, won't lose that much on because I don't think any of those would be gangbuster sellers anyway, as much as I love Crackdown. Um, I think what they'll start to lose it is with things like Forza and Halo and Gears. Um, and that's just because like I've worked on subscription models like this. And so I kind of know like why they pick the games that they pick and like how that all works. Um, but I do think anything Microsoft is in a position to lose money, like, that company can do something like this, uh, and they they think they needed to. But so I want so cool. I do want to make some <laughs> concessions about the napkin math. I agree with you, Steimer, that like the math is obviously like listen, like this is super rough. And it doesn't sure. account for all kinds of overhead fees and royalty deals and blah blah blah. There's a lot of like other money that we that needs to go into like my my hypothetical like they could be making so much money model. Um, the reason I, I, I bring it up is because, um, I think what we're seeing, a trend across gaming as a whole, is this move towards major franchises as games as services and live service games. And microtransactions are infiltrating all kinds of franchises in a variety of ways. And imagine a world where a game like Gears of War, which I think does microtransactions in a great way because they offer some really fun cosmetic options to use for your guns and to use for your characters. Nothing is pay to win in that game. Um, you know, they did offer a, a, a change up with the last game with a card system. But I mean, for the most part, like they've been known for their skins in that game. If you, as somebody who was like, well, maybe I don't really want to buy Gears of War 5, but I would pay a subscription fee to get in but then you know they entice you by with microtransactions maybe that's a 
a different way for them to make up revenue that they would have lost at the initial price point at launch. I mean, this is why so many games are successful with free to play is because they open the door and say, Hey, come in, look at Fortnite, right? Like that game is free. Now they have 40 million people that have downloaded that game, you know, and if they only convert a fraction of those people to buy something, then, then they've, you know, then they've considered that a success. And like, I don't know what, obviously like what their numbers are, what, what their margin is that they have to make up in order to recoup the investment costs of the development of the game. But I have to imagine a world where Microsoft has run the data on this, right. And run the models to be like, would we ultimately lose money or make money and clearly at some point, one of their forecasts has said, we're going to make money on this, so we should just do it. Right? Or do you think not, that they're not just necessarily. taking a, like a, yeah, like There, there are some times where it's like, we're so far behind, like we need to do something. Like I would, I'm not saying that, that this is what this is, but I'm like just saying that there are times sale. in business where you just like, if you can, if the company overall can afford it, you might make a decision that would give you a loss. But I think that's an interesting point that you bring up. Um, with the microtransactions that, yeah, that could be kind of what they're going for banking on is like, we'll hook them in with this and then hopefully convert them to buy a little something extra. Yeah. And if it gets Xbox products in front of more people, I mean, that's always a win too. And it's just really good branding. Honestly, this is like really good warm and fuzzies, like I said earlier, and that's fantastic. Yeah. They, they need to make some moves to like catch up to PlayStation at this point. Um, and I think that this is a good one for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, and I even think of a game like Sea of Thieves, which, you know, Britt and I are going to talk about in the next segment, um, really benefiting from this because this game is something that's super difficult to kind to of describe. wrap your head around, mm-hmm. like what it is. And if you tell people, Hey, you can try it for $9.99 or you can buy it for $59.99. I mean, it's a no brainer. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, glor- it's like the best demos, right? <laughs> Cause they're not a yeah. demo. It's just the game. It's I also just wonder, the whole game. I don't think this will impact it a lot, but it's a random thought that just came to my mind and I haven't, like I said, thought about it much, but how will this affect used game sales? You know, will it in the sense, like if, you know, let's say Gears of War 17 is out and people are like, you know, Gears of War 17 used is 17.99 or I could pay Xbox $10 and get it for $10 instead. I mean, and to be honest, like, they're probably also banking on the fact that, like, you'll sign up for it and forget about it. And you won't use it for most of the time. (laughs) But, I mean, that's an easy cost to justify, right? If you play, you know, the campaign of Halo 5, which you can just honestly do in one big, long city, and it's like, well, there's your... When it was brand new, there's your sixty dollar yeah. value. If you if you played bucks. if you played two games a year that were brand new, it's worth it. It yeah. pays off. But math, what's good math? Math, <laughs> love a good math. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. It'll be exciting to watch this and see how it does, and to see if PlayStation at some point ever feels threatened by this. I don't think that they're going to. I don't think they will offer this at all. I no. think PlayStation's going to look at this and be like, "Good luck, Microsoft. You know, we got our stable of first-party games over here. We're sitting pretty." I don't think that they're going to be phased by this at all. But I think this is really exciting for gamers. I think this is going to be a good value for gamers to to get in to be able to play a bunch of games and to download them. And I guess if you haven't already bought an external hard drive for your Xbox, you better go get one. <laughs> My question is, how does it work? So, like, you download the game and it says you can play offline. How long? Like, how long could you play it offline until it checks you? 
Um, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. I do believe it's like a, they do license checks periodically. So you can't like remain off, remain offline for, yeah. Okay. Indefinitely. Um, but I don't have the specifics. I would have to, I wasn't sure if either of you knew off the top of your head, but that's cool. But I have been told that, um, in the FAQs, um, somebody had asked me, what about games that, oh, sorry, what about games that, um, how you've downloaded and then they remove from the service because they do periodically remove uh, third party games from, from the service. As long as you have them downloaded onto your console, onto your hard drive and you don't delete them, they remain active as long as you maintain your subscription. That's sort of like PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But with, um, well, yeah. Well, it works more like PlayStation Plus than it does PlayStation now, basically. But with PlayStation Plus, if you de- buy it and delete it, you can go re-download it. Even if they take it out? Yeah, I, forgo- I bought- have forgotten. I'm <laughs> all the time because you have all of the licenses. Yeah, because with PlayStation Plus, you're essentially buying the game um, and then downloading it onto your system. But with Game Pass, it's like it's part of your subscription. And so if you download it to play it's like it a weird and then hybrid. delete it, yeah. you can't go back to Game Pass and re-download it if it's missing from Game Pass. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It's a strange hybrid between PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus. It It is. Which is why it's exciting. It is exciting. Hey. No, I think this is interesting and like... I, I always find it fascinating when, indus- when industry leaders make moves like this because you're like, all right, well, how's this going to go? Real well or real bad? We'll find out. Get the popcorn. I, I appreciate you maintaining your level of salt that you need to to to, to play into your type. No, but- I mean, I think I think this year is going to be is this is this year is a, is a great year. Like those games that you were talking about, those those I think this will help those particular games. I'm only skeptical when it comes to like Halo and like like the really big blockbuster games fair indeed very fair well we will keep an eye on it and report back um if you guys play with xbox game pass and have strong thoughts about it either way if you're like i hate it or oh my god i love it who would hate it I don't know. Sometimes people have bad experiences. Um, we would like to hear about it. You can email us, contact at whatsgoodgames.com. Uh, next up, God of War finally has a release date. Woo. It'll be coming to PlayStation 4 on April 20th. That's so 420. Corey, yeah, 420. Blaze it. Uh, Corey Barlog <laughs> over from Sony Santa Monica Studios <laughs> made a statement on the PlayStation blog. He said, first, let me say that this is my favorite release day of my entire career. If I live to be 100, I do not think I will be able to top this release day. There's been a long journey just to reach this point, so it's a little bittersweet to think that we are only a few months away from that journey finally coming to an end. While I'm sad, I'm also excited because it, because in a few months, wait, no, sorry, it means yes, everyone will get I'm their sad, hands. I'm also excited because it means everyone will get their hands on this crazy adventure that we've been crafting for nearly five years. Um, and then they show the trailer. Uh, speaking of trailers, I just lost interest in finding an elegant way to get from here to there from the last paragraph. So I just went for it. That's how I roll. I'm really ecstatic and I can finally show you this beautiful trailer we've been cooking up in the creative kitchen. Uh, I'll give you more insight as to why Kratos and Atreus are going on their journey as well as provide a glimpse into some new bits of action. 
And then they go on to detail the collector's edition and the digital deluxe edition and how they're connected back to the Norse universe. And you can find all of the details on the various versions of the games with their tchotchkes on the PlayStation blog. But ladies, did you watch this trailer? No. No, I looked at the collector's edition. This new God of War trailer. Highly recommend you take a look at it. I have been a very tepid God of War player and fan over the years. Played a couple of them. Um, been like, mm, mm, not really my cup of tea. Appreciated the combat. Really well done. The amazing set pieces and graphics. The tech, the game development part of the game is really well done in uh, a couple of these games. But Kratos as a person, as a character as a god or what have you. I just have been like, you know, I don't really like you. You don't like angry bad, man? Angry yeah, man. kind of a bad dude. Zeus. Um, so I've had, I've had a trouble really getting into the series, but I've been intrigued by the new direction that they're going. Dad of war, as uh, A-Ray likes to say. Um, and this trailer, I think, did a lot to expand upon about where the story is going, who Kratos is, what he needs to do with Atreus. I keep wanting to say like Atreus, like from the never ending story. And I don't know if that's how you say his name. Um, I don't know. So I didn't watch the trailer because there was a disclaimer that it was pretty heavy on story elements of things that might be coming along the pathway of the story. And I stayed away, but because from what I've seen, it's enough that I'm like, all right, I don't need to see anymore. Like I'm very interested. I've only played a little bit of God of War, the first one, and I never finished it. Um, what I'm intrigued about with this one is it seems maybe, and I haven't played the other one, so I might be wrong, but it seems more focused on story and that relationship than it does like the hack and slash gameplay. And that's why I'm intrigued by it. And so, like I said, I've seen enough. I don't need to watch any more trailers. But it sounds like the trailer kind of swayed you a little more positively, Andrea Renee. Yeah, no, it, it it absolutely did. Like like I said, I I, w- I was going to play this no matter what, Avi. But I <laughs> duh. But I was going to probably play it a little bit more reluctantly than I'm going to now. Now I'm more intrigued, and it's that's a good point that you bring up Brit about the, the trailer being it's not spoilery, but it does give away some kind of key points. But I think I needed that. I Mm. needed to be like, I needed the hook of seeing a couple other characters and to seeing a little bit more about the relationship between these two uh, leads, you know, father, son, and kind of seeing where it's going in order for me to like really get into it because I feel like the gameplay demos that we've seen so far left me feeling a little cold. Um, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, I have yes, never been a God of War fan mostly because I found it too gory. Like I didn't like hacking up people with that level of you? intensity. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't like seeing intestine. Like that's just not my jam, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> it's just gross. That's a pulse nobody wants, for the ages. Nobody wants to see that. I like fake gore where it's like, oh, I sliced somebody, but it's just like weird blood spilling out, but there's nothing like hyper-realistic about it, right? I don't like want to see entrails. You like, you like the green the fantasy, blood. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I was with you, Britt, when we saw the reveal for this game at E3. Yes. We were sitting next to each other. We were. And... We lost our minds, mostly because the crowd was also like, and it's we hard were in that tipsy, situation. We realistic. were a <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Um, 
But, you know, when everybody else is hyped, like, you get hyped. Oh. And to be honest, from that point forward, I knew that I was already sold on this game. Like, I, from that one demo, I was like, all right, I'm in. I will try out God of War and, like, actually play through it. Yeah. I'm a sucker for collector's edition, so I was checking out this $130 collector's edition. It features, like, nine inches of Kratos. Sorry, I had to make that mm. joke. <laughs> <laughs> the, the statue is. I thought it would be bigger. <laughs> the statue is nine inches tall. Thank you, Andrea, for holding up that. That's what she said. Pillow clutch. You're welcome. And it's pretty gnarly. It shows Kratos slicing the head off of an enemy, and his son has his bow. And then there's an arrow through the enemies. I think it's his eye socket. Pretty Probably. badass. Also comes like a cloth map, a lithograph, steel case, and some digital goodies. But I'm kind of tempted. Kind of tempted. I don't need it. I don't need it. Head in your house. I don't Brit, need it. I've seen your house. You have plenty of things. You have plenty of tchotchkes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. But it's pretty cool. I kind of like it. Toys. Yeah. But it is, uh, they, if you guys, again, want to check that out, um, all of the major retailers have yeah. them. There are specific retailers that have s- certain pre-order bonuses, which you can find all of those details um, in the PlayStation blog. But there's actually a really good Dev Diary video that Game Informer did as part of their cover story. Um, if you guys want to check that out on the Game Informer website um, or on their YouTube channel, that really kind of deep dives a little bit more into like a behind the scenes of the production of this and how it's so different. Uh, than the previous games in this franchise and how they really wanted to kind of reinvigorate and reinvent this franchise from a way, but also stay true to its roots and how to balance the difference between doing something new and fresh and different, but also not losing their identity. It was uh, an interesting watch if you guys want to uh, take a look at that. And I would be so, curious um, to hear from hardcore God of War fans to know if you kind of if you like this direction that they're taking Kratos. I feel like he's becoming. I don't know much about this game. Maybe a more likable character, more relatable, not the sex hungry, evil blood intestine showing person slash god, whatever the hell he is that we've he just seen. Shouted at everyone. He just shouts a lot. So I'd like to know if you're upset with this direction they're taking him, or if you're like, this is cool, this is needed. Let us know. Contact at what'sgoodgames.com. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on. Let's talk about something weird. This is the weird one. I like it, though. (laughs) Ubisoft has unveiled its own game-friendly version of Siri. So this um, story was written up by Eurogamer, but you can find this also on the UB blog. Ubisoft has announced a new addition to the Ubisoft Club. It's somewhat nebulous layer of cross-game friction. <laughs> the new addition is called Sam, and it's a personal gaming assistant. Sam has two elements uh, by the looks of it. It provides personalized tips for you based on your profile. Unloading up a game, it might point you towards things you haven't yet tried, and it also exists as a chatbot, accessed via your smartphone. The trade shows someone using the bot to find out how much time they've put into a game and of course to spy on their friends and then the video also reveals that sam can push you to trailers for ubisoft games and alert you to discounts you may have earned and the video also makes it look to be rather intrusive according to your gamer but i don't think it's intrusive um, the one th- i think the thing they're referring to is when sh- she's like um i see you lost a game do you like need help here's this video of the specific map you lost on yeah so it was um it was um i think uh ghost recon so in the trailer a guy like boots up ghost recon and then his phone like lights up yeah. and it's like hi i'm here i heard that you were having trouble with this map here's a tips and tricks <sighs> video in case you need to I get good have that across the room um, 
So I have to imagine that there's obviously notification settings and things that you can toggle on and off to how, you know, intrusive you want Sam to be in your life. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting. I'm not quite sure why they made this thing, though. I don't quite get it. This, to me, like, is neat. But since it's just Ubisoft games, it's very limited in what it's good for. I mean, I mean, yes and no. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, you know, maybe if you're like into hardcore Rainbow Six Siege, maybe there's some things in there that you need to know on the fly. But I watched the trailer and the, I mean, it's neat and it's cool. And if you like it, but I was like, I think I told Sam, like, this is one of the most unnecessary things I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Not that it's, you know, a bad thing. Maybe people will really enjoy it. But in the trailer we watched, I was kind of like taking notes of the things that Sam was able to answer and it was how long you've played a game how much of the map you've explored at one point the person asked who's the best assassin Bayek or Ezio and we didn't hear an answer because it cut to a new scene I don't know if this Sam has personality or what and then I'm sure it has like a quippy Siri thing where it's like whoever you prefer (laughs) they're both great (laughs) what's my friend playing and they tell you what console it is and they ask you if you want to buy it uh, if someone accepted your game rendezvous later tonight, you can ask them to show you a trailer, like Andrea said. Um, yeah, so it's like, this is this is cool, but I, I feel like every... I just can't ever see any use of it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, you will no. not be downloading Sam and letting her, her in, or him, I don't I'll know, into try your it. life. No, I'll definitely try it. I mean, prove me wrong, right? But uh, it's just, you know, one of those things. I, I don't... I, I'm so, sure there's people out there who will love it, and I'm happy for you. Yeah, so I didn't even realize that there was a Uplay app. So after watching this commercial, I downloaded the Uplay app. Um, I, I have really been a fan of the Uplay uh, connectivity, how you earn in-game rewards that will then translate to credits yeah. that can then translate to items. So like you earn these Uplay credits from playing Ubisoft games, and then you can go download specific items in-game. Like I used it to download a couple items in Assassin's Creed Origins, for example, um, which is... I think it's cool. It rewards gamers for playing Ubisoft games. And Ubisoft has got an increasingly growing suite of games as services, right? They've got For Honor. They've got Rainbow Six. They've got Ghost Recon. And they've been doing really well with, you know, putting out new content for Assassin's Creed. I'm going to talk about the hidden ones in the next segment. Um, so... I think this is really smart of them to find a way to get people back into Uplay, um, back into playing the games, back into microtransactions. Um, but, you know, like, I just don't understand why they would spend the money to develop a whole digital AI assistant when they already have Uplay. Why don't you just add notifications into Uplay? I don't need to ask Uplay, like, how many hours have I played Assassin's Creed Origins? Because it's fun and quirky. I mean, unless this expands to become kind of like an in-game guide. I mean, maybe that's the ultimate goal of this, right? If you want that kind of interaction with an AI, Sam, and you're going through a map, and eventually you can be like, hey, are there any treasures in this area of the map? And maybe Sam can, like, know what you're doing and track and be like, oh, maybe here, here, and here. Maybe put hints on your screen. I don't know. Maybe that's the ultimate goal. But as it stands, yeah, I don't see a real necessity for it. The bear necessities. Well, good news. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. Um, There you go. I do. I do. I'm realizing that I don't have a a release date of when Sam is going to be available. Did you see that in the trailer, Britt? Mm -mm. No, I don't think I noticed that. 
I didn't either. Um, okay. Well, moving on, our uh, last story of the week. Bioware doubles down on Anthem as pressure mounts. Rumors that it's been delayed to 2019. So Who would have thought that would have happened? Right? So this is a big uh, report from Jason Schreier over at Kotaku, but Polygon has kind of given the cliff notes, um, if you will. So the I'm going to read it. It's still like an entire... I know. You should see the original report, girl. It's like triple <gasps> oh, man. length. Um, okay. So Anthem, Bioware's ambitious action role-playing game announced at E3 2017 will not come out until 2019, according to a report from Kotaku, representing a delay past the launch window originally said to be the last quarter of this year. Kotaku's report characterizes Anthem's delay as a sign of increasing pressure on the Electronic Arts Studio to come back with a big hit following the disappointing performance of Mass Effect Andromeda last year. Unidentified sources connected to the studio told Kotaku that the fall 2018 window was never realistic. Kotaku speculates that Bioware cannot delay the game beyond March 2019, which is when EA's fiscal year ends. An electronic arts representative told Polygon that the company did not have any comment on Kotaku's story or the progress of Anthem's development. Quote, there's a belief that if Anthem doesn't live up to EA's expectations, Bioware will look very different in the future, end quote, especially after Andromeda's performance, Kotaku reports. The report says that most of Bioware's attention is now focused on Anthem and away from a Dragon Age reboot and the MMO Star Wars The Old Republic, which launched in 2011. There was also, as a side note, before I continue, another story this week about another confirmation that Dragon Age is in development, but we already knew that this game was in development, so just another employee confirming it, I don't think is really it's not noteworthy. Groundbreaking news, no. Yes, yeah, surprise, they're A working lot? on Dragon Age. <laughs> um, Mass Effect Andromeda was, uh, continuing on now, sorry, was a troubled project before it launched in March 2017, and the aftermath ultimately led to a restructuring of Bioware Montreal, with developers from Andromeda reassigned to support Bioware Edmonton's office instead of working on a sequel to Andromeda. Support for the game ended in August, and no post-launch downloadable content was ever created, a departure from how past editions of the AAA franchise between 2007 and 2012 had been handled. Kotaku's story goes on to say that Bioware has also reevaluated its approach to Dragon Age in light of publishing expectations about games as a service. That combined with difficulties integrating the Frostbite engine, originally built to serve shooters like the Battlefield and Battlefront series, has some in the studio anxious that its fate depends on the success of Anthem and its reputation, according to Kotaku. Anthem, an open-world science fiction RPG whose characters wear mechanized combat suits and battle monsters in a poke... Post-apocalyptic setting. <laughs> Go on. I like folks. <laughs> received a splashy premiere during E3's keynote last summer. Um, also important to note, uh, Bioware's general manager and Anthem's director, Aaron Flynn, resigned from the studio last year, and he was replaced by Casey Hudson, the longtime veteran of the Mass Effect development series. I think, he, I think he, Casey was also working on Anthem before he left. Like, that it wasn't was announced con- as Anthem, yeah, but it was, that like... Yeah, was never confirmed, yeah. Listening top secret gook. If I were Alexa right now, my Fitbit would be going off. Like, you know what I mean? It just makes me <laughs> yeah. so... It just makes me so sad and anxious to hear and read all of this stuff, especially, you know, if this is true. And a lot of people are worried that the fate of the studio depends on Anthem. Like, that's scary. I don't know that the fate of Edmonton would ever depend on that. Mm-hmm. Um, because Edmonton's always put out good product 
Andromeda was Montreal, and like they got their hands slapped back. They've now been back. It's like, all right, now you're back to being a support studio. You you were not able to prove that you could handle this. Um, so I mean, I could see them being in trouble, and I could see Austin potentially being in trouble, but I don't see them closing Edmonton. Um, that being said, I'm I my heart rate's gone up zero percent because I kind of expected all of this, especially with the drag. I was like, there's no way they're going to be working on Dragon Age and this at the same time. Like the the Anthem is too big of a project that a studio like that like that Bioware has just never done before. Bioware Edmonton, obviously, because Austin has been working on an MMO. Um, so, I mean, it's like all hands on deck at this point, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like, this isn't, this doesn't surprise anyone. I think it's just, uh, like, I just have like, um, sympathy and empathy, I guess, for the studio, you know, cause we know people who work there and it's, I love their products and it, it just makes me sad that it's kind of such a clenching situation. Like a lot of things are clenched right now. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting to, um, that frostbite keeps coming back to like bite them in the ass essentially. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, it's the EA stallion engine. That's so beautiful and bloody blah, but like doesn't work for every genre of games. So I'm trying to shoehorn this thing yeah, into things. Not, that's right? really hard that it's not meant to do or build better tools. Like you knew you had an RPG studio there and to just be like, um, well, we have this engine, and it's really mostly good for, like, first-person shooters, but make a third-person RPG. Go! <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of puzzling, especially since if you think about, I mean, there's no denying that games like Battlefront and Battlefield sell copies, right? But I feel like when you look at a studio like EA, when you take away EA Sports, because clearly that's their bread and butter. That's where they make all of their money, right? FIFA, in, in FIFA's FIFA. paying everyone's bills. Literally. <laughs> um, if we don't even think about the sports games, which are on a different engine, I believe, um, I feel like if you look at like popular opinion, critical praise, the things that EA gets like gold stars for are their RPGs. And they're the things that we keep going back to, to be like, EA is not all bad. Look at all these cool RPGs that they do. And they mostly come from Bioware. And, and like, that's why it's frustrating to hear that, you know, they're experiencing difficulty because you would think that EA would want to invest in that. But I don't know how sales of the games are. I know that Dragon Age Inquisition won a bunch of Game of the Year awards and was critically widely praised by most of our industry. And I know that the Mass Effect series is beloved by millions of fans, but I don't know if that translates into dollars. And so I don't know if that means that EA wants to continue making the investment because of that. I don't know. <laughs> World without Don't Dragon cry, Brit. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they're talking about, like, switching, you know, oh, let's look at it as more of games as, games as a service. <sighs> yeah. It's just that like, I just let out, like, I, a sigh. <laughs> I, I, get, I get why you're sighing, but I think the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel here, for people like us who are diehard, like, Bioware fans, is that they got smacked in the face super hard last year by their shenanigans, right? Like EA took a huge hit 
from the bullshit they tried to pull with Battlefront and with Need for Speed, right? Like the gaming community came back at them. They clapped back super hard and were like, don't do this to us. We're not going to take it. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to take <laughs> it. And I think that EA had to stand up and listen to that, particularly when Disney got involved with the Star Wars brand, right? You know, like Alexa on this show speculated that EA is potentially going to have the Star Wars license like taken from them if they, you know, fuck give it up to again. Ubisoft, right? Or, or, or there's a million other studios that could do really cool things with the franchise. But I hope. In my heart of hearts that the the people at EA and not at the developers, but at the publisher, look at the reaction that they got from the gaming community for what they tried to do with their other franchises and say, we can't fuck this up again. We need to do it right. We need to get it right the first time. And I'm trying to see the silver lining in like the shitstorm that happened to them last year and be like, oh, did you learn your lesson? I hope you learned your lesson. Please don't fuck up Anthem. I mean, please don't fuck it up. Let's just hope they aren't like Bungie and do not repeat the sins of the past. Um, but I will say that. It- <laughs> oh look, it's <laughs> oh Brit's got Brit is oh, holding no, up his camera. Hold on, let me go full screen. Wait, hold him back. She's got Morden and Garrus. Those are really cute. Are those little statues? They're, They're from the bus. Bioware stores. Yeah. Little. And on the bottom of the garrison says, I'm in the middle of some calibrations. So good. Oh, I what does Morden it. say? Morden says, someone else might have gotten it wrong. Yes, Aww. that's right. They watch me every You're podcast, right, and now I'm a little emotional because talking about Bioware. <laughs> anyway, I'm fine. <laughs> Not fine. <laughs> but the thing, yeah. I can't remember what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. It probably we're, wasn't important. We were thing, talking but, um, about like the the public perception and how they can't screw it up, right? I think they can still screw that, it up. They oh, they one hundred percent could still screw this up. Um, I hope that they are not just looking at their own failures. I hope that they're looking at other studios and like games as services and seeing which ones are doing things well, which ones are communicating well, which ones are not. Um, and and take those learnings and so that they can hopefully have a, an easier time, an easier launch. Because I really, obviously, like, I love Bioware, and I want, and this, I was like, thought this game looked pretty cool. Yeah, it's a little bit, like, Destiny-ish, yeah. but if it's a better Destiny with a cool-ass Titan combat suit thing, that sounds neat. We can, like, roll around and maybe, like, kiss a dude. <laughs> Bang some people. Let's get real yeah. here. You don't Bang want to stop aliens. Yeah, I don't even need it to be Destiny. It can be its own no. thing. Like, I just, like, I love sci-fi. I love Bioware's storytelling and relationship building. And if they make that like a, like a shared world shooter experience, even if it's third person and even if the shooting's a little bit janky, cause it's gonna be really hard to top the buttery smooth FPS that Bungie has created. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with that. It doesn't need to be better than destiny in that area it just needs to be more story driven which us fans of bioware love about bioware even um so when they had that long gameplay demo the only thing i didn't like about it was like the voiceovers that were pretend like were playing the game they just seemed off to me but what they were doing in the game (laughs) i know right yeah what they were doing in the game i was like yes like i want to like go into this cave and get some points for going into this cave i want to go over here i want to get 
cool armor, like want to tell you that I, though, I remember, I remember this line because it was so, delivered so flat and I was like, it's weird. They were like, oh cool, I just got a legendary item. And I was like, is, is legendary bad? Is that, is that normal? I don't, why would you, I don't, do that? what? It was weird. Yeah. 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 Well, don't, don't let that deter you. Cause no, we no, no, it, it was just, I thought it was really like, funny are terribly done. And like, you would think by this point that someone on their marketing team would be like, yo dudes, this sounds real fake. This sounds like so terrible. Let's just yeah. like, let's either cut the commentary track or like, let's just do it live. Or like, heaven get forbid, some, something goes some wrong. Known gamers okay. like us to come record a demo. Oh, yeah, that'd, right? be, that'd be gibberish, Tamer. Oh, that would be legendary. And it would I be mean, terrible. yeah, but that's authentic. Read. That's what it sounds like <laughs> when you get a legendary, an actual legendary item. Yeah. So, dear EA, just don't do Activision soon with Destiny in terms of microtransactions and other things, and you'll be fine. Learn from their mistakes. One thing I thought was interesting um, that I didn't know because I haven't been paying attention to the Reddit is already there is a i believe he's a producer on anthem in there and he is continuously like grabbing feedback from threads so if you are somebody who is interested in in having a little dev communication you should go to the anthem subreddit noted i I went through and like started reading all of his posts and i was like this is really neat that they're already this game's not coming out for a while um, and this would be the time to give them feedback, be- which is funny because you don't really know what you're giving feedback on because it doesn't really exist yet. Right. But like, this is the time when they're building the things. It's like, all right, what would you guys want from it? I think that that's neat that they're already, already yeah, and doing I'm, that. And I'm glad you brought that up because I had no idea that was going on because I just assumed since we know like almost nothing about this that there's nothing out there. But that's great. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't obviously give away a lot, right. but um, he does. I've seen him being like, hey. If you guys have feedback for X types of features, like leave it in this thread and then he'll grab the thread and give it to the dev team. Yeah, girl. Which is neat. So already they're trying, which I like it. I like it. That's all we can ask for, really. Make me a cool thing, guys. Uh, give me some cool capes. I want this game to do so we well. It hurts. it hurts. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get a nice uh, chunk of gameplay at E3 this year. Um, since it's, you know, it hosted by what's good games. I'm going to put it into the universe. (laughs) (laughs) We will, we will co-op it for you. Um, Casey, if you're listening, (laughs) I'm going to send this podcast to you and be like, Casey, (laughs) (laughs) we we really like your stuff. (laughs) We're very animated on stage. We'll get the hype going. You won't be able to understand. We got it. We got it. Yeah. Um, all right. With that, we're going to end our first segment of the show. Um, thanks for hanging in there. We know it was a long one, but there was some really big news this week and we had to talk about, of course, Nintendo Labo from last week. Uh, when we come back after the short break, we will be talking about our hands-on impressions for some games, including the Beta. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody. This is the What's Good Games podcast, and now we're going to talk to you about some video games that we have played. Um, so, last week, Starmer told us about her awesome Patty certification experience, yes. but this week, you have been playing some more Persona 5. I have. But well, did you see it coming? Why does it sound so much dirtier when you say it like that? <laughs> That's my point. I don't know, man. Um, so I, I, most of this past weekend was also um, me finishing my training, which I have done now. Yay! I am now ready to go dive into the ocean. Um, so that unfortunately took up most of my time. Uh, but I did get to play some Persona the past couple days. And... I'm trying to like kind of roll through it now because I think because I was tell- talking to you, Britt, and I was like, so I'm like at X point in the story. I feel like it's probably near ish the end. And you were like, yeah, relatively like it'll start to speed up now. It's like, OK. Um, so so I, I haven't like I don't know. It's still Persona. It's yeah. Persona I rejected persona. two waifus already, but I'm scared that I won't be able to get to Makoto before the end of the game, and that makes me really sad inside. Um, because I still haven't. I need to level up my kindness. Read a book. Not find <laughs> it up. How oh, on so brand? Funny. Actually, you. Andrea, I get why you're laughing now. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys! I need to level up my kindness. It's bullshit. <laughs> it's my worst skill in Persona and in real life. <laughs> It's funny because it's true. No, you're a nice person. <laughs> I'm nice to people I like. You are very nice. You're a very good person, you, Steimer. Yes, I can testify. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, but but um, the, the she's game, blocked right now because uh, of that. So like, yeah, I yeah. Can't. So like, read a book, do, read a magazine, do whatever it is. I think you can get what you go fishing and level up. Your I need kindness. to go to like a, a movie. Oh, I have, oh, you just reminded me that I have not been fishing yet. I don't think that levels up your kindness. So I think that doesn't. No, it doesn't. Sense. It doesn't. But I just haven't gone. And I remember doing that in Persona <laughs> Four, trying like, to catch that fishing. stupid fish. <laughs> um, the game definitely has some interesting twists and turns coming up. That so look forward to those. Like keep playing. Like I know you're trying to get. Oh, through of it, course. But like yeah, it's, yeah. You'll never see it come. Come in. Or but, Wait, what? <laughs> Did you integrate the seal? I think it's like, I meant to say you'll never seal it coming, and then I tried to do oh. the seal bark, but then I realized I didn't add the L to C, and then it just flopped. Like a, it's more like a, er, 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 Yeah, that. Yeah. I like you it when you make a dolphin like. noise, and you're like, it's a seal. I'm like, that's no, not what a, a seal sounds like. <laughs> no, dolphins may like a, She's right? done that before on the, on no, the previous podcast. Like, She's like, I believe it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's like that's a very scared, unsatisfied dolphin. I don't know what's going on with that dolphin. An unsatisfied <laughs> dolphin. <laughs> that's a new T-shirt right there. OMG, unsatisfied dolphin. <laughs> Something's wrong with it. What is the oh facial expression that that dolphin is making, ladies and gentlemen? In your mind, picture it. Unsatisfied dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> okay. Um all right. I'm I'm breathing. Everything's fine. Yes. yes. <laughs> I wanted to play some Sea of Thieves today, but I was at work, so I could yes. not. 
But she you said, guys got to play some, so tell yeah. me all about it. So tell Speaking me. of unsatisfied dolphins. Oh, um, no. Are no, there no, dolphins? No, 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 no. No, they're sharks. Yes. Okay. So um, for everybody uh, listening, the Sea of Thieves beta is still currently going on. If you're listening to this on the day the podcast comes out, it goes until January 29th. It is a closed beta. Um, so we will play, Steimer. We will play together. Um, Britt and I uh, jumped in to a match with um, her husband, Jason. And because you need a fourth, they they randomly matchmake you with someone, uh, which was interesting. I think there is a second level where we can go down a, a level in ship and they change the size of your ship. They do. So before you hopped in, Andrea, we played for like 10 minutes in just a two-player ship. And yeah, the layout's a little different. I want to say it's only one level, maybe two. We weren't there very long. And uh yeah, so you can only play with the two of you in that mode. You can't add a third person. So yes, when she joined the party, we had to add an additional person to our team. So is the two-player ship easier to steer then? Because like you wouldn't be able to have somebody not able to see with the wheel and somebody looking at the map and somebody like up on the mast like so there's still the same issue with the sails being in your way no matter if you're on the wheel or not so what i had to do is like obviously look at the map in in the room and then look at like the little treasure map that i have in my hand and compare the two and just kind of tell them like turn left turn right uh so i think that's an issue whether you're playing two player or four player yeah, so the there's a lot, of, and you can play solo, by the way. Yes. Uh, but they don't recommend it. How? Um, they you're on a much smaller ship, like it's like a little what dinghy. What if the small. sails are still in your way? You have to be a good pirate. Well, it says yeah. for more experienced pirates. My goodness. Yeah, it's my for goodness. Experienced players. Um, but here's the so the navigation um is interesting. Obviously, they're trying to make it feel very true to life in the sense that. There's a map, you have a compass, uh, you kind of have to do a lot by sight. Um, we once again refreshed our memories about port and starboard side. Um, mm. <laughs> which is, is starboard right and port left? Yes. Yeah. And Jason had a good uh, way to remember port is four letters and left is four letters. So remember that port is always on the left. That and is good. Starboard is on the right, right. The right side. Yes. Um, and so it was, um, is they have this master map um on the deck below the 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 surface level deck where you take as Brittany said your little hand map and you get like an outline of the island that you need to go to you need to match that outline with an outline of an island on the big map and then you can set a marker on the big map but the marker on the big map does nothing in the actual game world. It's not like there's a compass at the top of the HUD where you can like see where you're going. It just identifies which map to the other players that you're going to. But we discovered that you can mark more than one map. So we got confused because the three of us were in a party and we had this, you know, match made random player who we know was pretty good. Um, but they insisted on taking the wheel. And we were like, sure, we're just like along for the ride. They seem to be pretty good at navigating <laughs> and, and doing and by, by, you know, wanting to take the wheel, this was funny. Andrea was like, I'm going to take the wheel because we had to turn in a quest. 
and I'm looking out on the ocean and I hear like the sound of like sword slashing and cutlass and I'm like, what the hell? Turn around and I, I look and I see Andrew slowly backing away from the wheel and then the fourth player grabbing the wheel and just freaking turning it like a madman to put he us in the other direction. He started swiping at me with his cutlass. <laughs> they were attacking you to get yeah, the wheel? to get the wheel. Because he was like, no, you're going the wrong way because on the map... He had marked two different islands because on the uh, whenever you pick up a chest in the world, you have to take the chest back to an outpost to sell the chest to this dude with a green glass eye, and then he gives you gold for it. But you can't just like turn it in from the high seas. You have to sail back to an outpost and turn it in. But he had marked two separate outposts in the game world. And so I thought that we were going back to one outpost, the one we were closer to, but he was trying to take us to an outpost that was farther away because presumably there were different uh, quest lines that you would pick up at that other outpost. But there was no way for him to communicate this because there's no in-game chat. There's just pre-set up dialogue lines that you can select from, which makes it frustrating if you want to communicate something that is not represented in the pre-written chat lines. Now, obviously, this is a beta, so I don't know what the robust chat line offerings are going to be in the full game. But I would hope that they would allow you to type something in custom I mean, that would seem to make sense, right? It depends like, on how family-friendly they're trying to go. That's yeah. true. I mean, but, like, even if they're trying to go family-friendly, you can, like, mute out certain words. Like, in Paragon chat, for example, if you type in certain swear words, it appears as heart emoticons <laughs> in the really chat. Funny. So I love like, it when we, people do that. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, clearly you can see when but someone's people- swearing, but, like, you don't know what they're saying. I mean, you could do they it, get around you know, it but... easily though? Like, because there's always like people will do spaces or like oh, periods I'm... or something. To... No, there's no way to t- there's no way to type anything in that we saw. Britt, did you see that? Did you see Not that at all? all? No, yes. I meant on Paragon. Sorry. Oh, um, oh, probably. I haven't been in a chat with somebody who was who so desperate to be vulgar that they tried to figure out a creative way to be vulgar thankfully gotcha um, okay. but good. i i understand that from a family friendly perspective they want to kind of keep it like pg but that being said uh, there were certain things that we noticed that were difficult to communicate to this person like there's a raise the sales um line or, or there's an angle, angle the sails line because you can turn the sails from port to starboard side or you can have them straight on but there isn't a like an angle the sails port or angle the sails starboard. You just have to mm-hmm. assume that they want the sails angled different than what they currently are. But there's three positions for the sails. And so you're like, right. well, do you want it in the middle or do middle? you want it to the other side? I'm and if you don't get it wrong, then you just say angle the sails again. They just keep spamming keep it. They, yeah, I think yeah. that they'll probably – I don't know that they'll allow you to type something in, but I think – Hopefully what this beta will do is be like, all right, what are the phrases we're missing here to yeah. exactly what you guys just said? And then an maybe oops. like they should put a different outpost there. or like, you know, like stuff like that you might want to say to somebody that's not um, right toxic in any way. But it's just like you need to communicate if you're not on. So I assume you guys were just connected via party chat. Yes. Yes. Xbox. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we picked up a first quest, which is like sail to this island that was really far away <laughs> and, and find something. So, Britt, how did you find our high seas experience? I found it fun. 
Okay, I'm trying to like think here. So obviously, like, no, no, no. I had, I had a really good time. Like I had fun playing with Andrea and Jason and and the other guy. Um, the the problem I had, not the problem, but something that kind of sapped the fun out. And I understand that, um, you know, these, there's only like a few different quests you can do right now, or probably what people have access to with the amount of time they put into the beta. Uh, so we were paired with someone who clearly knew what they were doing. Maybe they had done this before. And what happened is we would no sooner like land to an island and then this dude would have the treasure and back in the boat he would be. And uh, so, so it wasn't really the game's fault. It's just you were playing with kind of a not great Someone who nope. either played in that closed alpha or like had done this mission already and was replaying it. And so like we didn't get the, we didn't get the discovery of it mm-hmm. like they just went right. and kind of did it all for us which was a, also like it was double-edged it was, on one hand it was like oh it's great that it's not like we don't have to dig around forever but at the same time we we're like well that kind of takes that's, the wind that's out part of our of the fun is yeah, like going on and finding it and right, being right. like where is it on the island it's between two rocks shaped like dogs and you're like okay where are those and then yeah right and that was and so that took away part of the fun because like i want to do the exploration and whatnot so i don't know how they can fix that if they can prevent that problem when the game's release i mean maybe yeah. not i don't know if the people because if you get someone who's super experienced i doubt they'll be wanting to play with noobs for any noobs i can't believe i just said that word what year are we in <laughs> um but the, the good thing about playing with and like andrea said is we were searching the wrong island for like i don't know like 15 minutes Oops. and then we get like this little text pop up and it's like i'm on the ship sorry and then we had to like teleport him because he took our ship in like went away and actually started he heading just left right. you yeah, yeah started- well <laughs> yes <laughs> so, sorry yes. go ahead no no yeah he, he left us and started going toward the correct island so we found a mermaid in the sea and warped to the ship and i played the accordion semi-naked and we had a great time until we got to the new island uh yes so did you get Britt drunk decided to walk drunk? around uh, brick got drunk i started yes. drinking um but i didn't finish my my tankard but um, so what happens is if somebody in your party takes the ship and you're stuck and you're marooned on an island, a mer person will appear um, and then you'll see like a smoke signal, like a this vivid blue tealish colored smoke. smoke signal coming off. And then, then when you walk over to the smoke signal, you'll see like a little mermaid in the water, like waving their arm to be like, hey, I'm over here. And then you go over there and they'll teleport you back to your ship. I've seen that. Whenever I played it, I guess at E3, we played it a few yeah. times. Yeah, that's been there. Um, yeah. um, and then there was like the death ship when you die. Oh, yeah, when you die. Oh, you yeah. know, Jason blew me up more than once. <laughs> he blew us. No, was it you or me? One of us had a, a gunpowder barrel and I set it down or you set it down. Something happened and Jason was had a sniper rifle on a hill far away. He's like, I wonder what's going to happen if I shoot it. And Lean was to say, we are blown. What do you think is going to happen when you shoot a barrel full of gunpowder? <laughs> he was like, I didn't Nothing know good. friendly fire. I was like, bullshit. Um, there's not with the swords. You can't, you can't like kill somebody else with one of your swords if they're oh, on your but, team. But you can, not on your team, but we found out when we were, uh, so we went to an island to turn in some chests that we got from one of our quest lines. And I was on the island, the outpost, which I thought was like a community safe space. Oh no, somebody from a different crew came over and murdered Brit and I when we were just <laughs> on the island trying to turn in our chests. 
Right. So we I was not happy chest? about it. No, so we had turned the chest in and I think we were checking out the shopkeep area and then we turned around for some reason or another and I hear Andrea like squealing on the other side. I'm like, what's happening? She's like, I'm being murdered. And then I was like, what? And then I was murdered at the outpost. Yeah. Like- and so then I was killed as well. And I ended up on another ship. And I think you did too, Andrea, paired with other yeah. players. Um, that seems weird. Well, in, in the pro- I don't want to call it a problem because I know it's beta. The issue I had with this was that we were on an island and there was a guy there that was selling, it seemed like, upgraded buckets for when your ship is flooding, an upgraded compass that will tell you if you're near coins. Like, there were some upgrades there in a, in a blunderbuss. And I was curious to continue looking at those upgrades to see what they were because I haven't heard anything about upgrades. But when I looked away for, like, a few minutes, like, I was blown up and then I was taken away from the outpost. And that was a yeah, little frustrating. Wrong. Like, even though, yes, you want a PvP game, you always have safe spaces where there's merchants. And so maybe it's because yeah. it's the beta, but that's the point I was making to Andrea. I'm like, what if, you know, we just spent like 25, 30 minutes like doing this voyage, getting these chests, and we sail back and someone kills us while we're holding our chests? Do they get to turn them in? I imagine not, because that's how probably a lot of people would play. They would probably camp the outpost. But uh, I'm yeah. curious to hear more about it, how it works. But if they couldn't turn your chest in, then I don't know what the point of killing you there is, other than to just be an asshole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, think about a game like Friday the 13th. Before they patched it out, you could previously kill other counselors to no personal benefit to you. It just was something that you could do. Um, but I thought like- that you could do it, but you would get negative points. Yeah, I mean, you would... I mean, there was consequences, but I mean, like... It wouldn't prevent you from winning the game, right? Sure. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't like. Um. It wasn't like you couldn't escape or anything like that. You know. Like I just. I don't understand why rare would f- put in the ability to kill people in an outpost. I would hope that that, like Brittany said, it was just part of the beta and that they're going to take that out. Because this was my concern about Sea of Thieves. We've talked about it previously. The idea that. It's an open world PVP shared world game. And I got really frustrated when the four of us were having a fun time on an island searching for a chest and somebody came along and started attacking our ship and they sunk our ship, you know, and like we were just trying to have a good adventure. And like I'm concerned that like overall that there's going to be hyper aggressive people who just want to go around and pick fights. And I, I, I think that that's going to be really disappointing for, for some people like me. Cause like we had a lot of fun just like sailing our boat around and looking at the beautiful water, ocean tech and the graphics and Brit being silly with her accordion always playing and us running around the ship and like the, the challenge of like looking at the map and navigating and finding the treasure and, That was all like a really fun, enjoyable experience. And the moment that the fun instantly gets taken away is when some random person who's in the world with you shoots you and kills you and takes you out of the experience that you were having. That sucks. And I completely agree. When we had this discussion a couple weeks ago, uh, we got a lot of emails and feedback from people saying, you know, I can't say anything. The game's under NDA. I've been beta testing or alpha testing or whatever it was in. Um, But it's going to be fine. You don't know essentially what you're talking about right now. But the problem with that is this game is supposedly like what a month and a half to launch or two months or something March like 20th. that. Two months. Yeah. 
and no one really quite knows what's going on. Is there a PVE area? Like, what's happening? <laughs> I don't know if I should to be say that we don't know what or like. I hope they didn't phrase it like that. Like, you don't know what you're talking about because that's how it's been at all of the public events so far. So, like, how would you know any differently? Well, mm-hmm. right, and that's that. That's what I'm saying. It's like if you know something we don't, and you're under NDA, like that's understandable. But we only know what we've been fed, and what we've been fed is that right. this is like a game where if someone wants to be like hyper aggressive, like Andrea said, they can completely sap the fun out of this i mean for me too like that'll kill the experience in a heartbeat and that's why i didn't have a lot of fun in the close alpha i played close to like august or september we didn't run into a lot of people during our game session today um besides the person who killed us we saw some ships off in the distance but they didn't i think people were having trouble like getting into the beta though like there was a lot of it was like server things and yeah so um, but I had a good time. I really did. I just would like like some clarification on like what's going to be in the final game. Like are there other 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 modes we don't know about? There's something. But yeah, it would be interesting to see. I mean, clearly they they've publicly said that this is like a crafted experience. It's not the full game. It's not a sampling of the full game. It's designed to show you like a specific vertical slice of the game. Um, I hope that there's going to be some kind of narrative arc. To the game because right now what we've seen is just like pick a random quest line and then this one quest will take you to an island and then on that island you find a chest you bring the chest back to your ship and then you turn the chest in um i have to imagine it's going to be a lot more robust than that um that there'll be characters that you get to see and that's their storylines and people you get to interact with we did get a very small glimpse into like an inventory system Lots of different outfits you can buy, as Britt mentioned, equipment that you can upgrade and purchase, a gold system. Um, what I did notice was that the quest lines, at least for the beta, are blocked behind a purchase system through gold. So you do a quest, you go to an island, you collect some booty, you bring it back, you turn it in, you sell it, you get coins, and then you use those coins to buy voyages from this like a uh, quest giver basically like new tra- new treasure maps yes. yes exactly and then the, you bring the treasure map back to your ship and then everybody in your party votes on which treasure map they want to go after and then you away away you go i i made the comment to brit while we were playing that i'm like hmm i wonder if they're going to sell gold as microtransactions so that you can access certain items quicker if you buy them not sure. We haven't heard if I mean, this it, is part of Rare's plan. But. It would make sense because how it works is you turn in a quest and then your reputation with the guild or whatever it was called goes up. And then at which point you're able to spend gold to buy the upgraded quests. So I don't – gold can't buy you more reputation. It would just be able to buy you the current quests and the items. Um, so you're saying it's also locked behind reputation? Yes, the the okay like so I don't remember what the first level of the quests were but the first the first quest you they were level cost. one and then it jumped to level five and so right. you earn reputation by completing the quests yeah it, yeah exactly so and that's it brings up another question maybe I'm getting ahead of myself it's like you know if I'm a level one character and Andrea is a level five has a level five reputation can I participate on those quests with her maybe maybe not I just have questions because I'm really interested by this game and I and I want to have a good time with it I just want some answers to. Things. Yeah. yeah i wonder if they'll have um granted because all we can do is wonder at this point all right um if they'll do kind of like what an mmo does and be like all right here are the pve servers and here are the yeah. pvp servers i hope so um and so you can kind of 
choose which one you want to go into because yeah like if if every mmo was also pvp i would never play them like if they had no other options i'd be like i'm out sure. because i've played on pvp servers and it's real annoying to be like oh well we were gonna do this thing but we can't do the thing now because there's somebody camping there and he's level 80 and we're level 40 and too bad like you either you just go home like you go do something else basically yeah <laughs> and and that's not fun like you want i don't know it's not fun to me some people obviously really enjoy it but no, it's not, not. not where i get my kicks no same like i had a lot of fun just like goofing around with brit like they have a fun feature where if you play your instruments together they like play different tracks of the song that you're playing um which is cool you know we were like dinking around like climbing up the boat and moving the sails around and like shooting each other in the cannons and you know all the stuff that we had fun playing at e3 and that's a huge part of the charm of sea of thieves and so i really hope you know as you suggested simer that they do offer a pve option so that people like us can just goof around and have a good time and don't have to get involved in conflict with with other players um we should look into that let's ask we'll ask rare and see if they can give us an official statement about yes. whether that will be an option. And we'll all cross our fingers that it will be. <laughs> so, Britt, did you want to add anything else about your time? I know we're going to play some more. Um, and maybe we can talk about it with Steimer next week as well. Yes, I want to play. Yeah, no, just the same. I want a PvE server so we can do that goofy stuff. Because that's where I think a lot of the charm comes in from the game. is just being able to screw around and... Not worry about and me. you firing me into the ocean yes. like a bunch of buttheads. No, it's just like silly stuff. Like hey, you Andrea climbed was into that cannon. chest from the ship to the outpost, and she was being chased by sharks. So I had to go in there with my like my handgun or whatever hand cannon, and you can shoot these things underwater no problem. And so I'm like her bodyguard. Like that's not how sharks. guns work. Yeah, I know, but that's part of it. it so yeah, that's all. I'm really well, excited. I also love how unlimited underwater. At the beginning, Andrew, you're like it's like realistic, and that you and the way you navigate this boat. But then there's shit like. You just eat a banana without peeling it, and you <laughs> yeah, fire guns true. underwater. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's what she said during the game. She's like, oh no, she's like, I was bit by a shark. I better eat a banana, like in this dead serious <laughs> tone. And I'm like, oh god, the shit video games make us say. <laughs> the one thing I wish that they had done is, I really wish it would have been pickles and not bananas. Why pickles? Because pickles are a pirate thing. Like people, or like a, rather, just a boating thing. Because. To prevent scurvy, pickles are very high in vitamin C, <laughs> and they're very easy to store, and they would naturally go in a keg. You don't keep bananas in a keg. And so, like, I'm like, these are all it's the fair. things. I've solved all of your problems. Number one, you don't peel pickles. Number two, you keep them in a keg in vinegar. They stay real well. Number three, they prevent scurvy. So, like, <laughs> why were Somebody they not pickles? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because bananas would go bad faster in a keg if they're all uh, there together because they emit methane and so they would rot themselves qu pretty quickly actually nice yep. you're smart stimer now Can i, I want get some pickle. pickle dlc oh my gosh mm, <laughs> pickles yep. um brit you have also been playing um some other games you have been playing a game called full metal furies i have and I what is saying, this brit 
full metal of furries and it gets real awkward. <laughs> that would be a much different game. Yeah. Oh, is did you spell it wrong here or is that how it's spelled? No, when that's I just how said it's, it wrong. No, no, no. You're you're totally it is, correct. It is furries. It it's is not furries. furries. But I for, for the first time I saw it, I thought I saw two R's, so I kept calling it furries. And Jason's like, "No, that's weird." Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like a, this is an indie game made by Cellar Door Games, and it's like a a beat 'em up with. RPG elements, four-player co-op. Um, it's a very simple game in the sense that it's, like I said, it's a beat-em-up. It's a side-scroller. Sometimes you can move up, down, left, and right. But what I love about this is we were looking for something silly in co-op to play on, like, Saturday night. And we found it on Xbox, and I think it's on PlayStation 4 as well, and on Steam. Um, and the combat is extremely addictive. So there's four classes. There's the sniper, there's the tank, the fighter, and the engineer. And if you're playing single player, you can switch between these on the fly, I believe. But the writing is so well done in this game that even though the gameplay and the combat is addicting as hell, the writing is really what's keeping me around because these characters are really well like thought out and created. And like I said, not not a, not a you know super in depth complicated game. It's very simple. But um, if you're looking for something cooperative to play with one to four people, one to four people, two to four people, but I highly, highly, highly recommend you check it out. That's hey, I can play co op with myself. You Thank can you very much. Absolutely, and it's a really cute art style, and it's just it's very difficult. Well, it's difficult. Is it a twin stick shooter? No. I mean, there, it depends on the class. If you're playing like the sniper, kind of has those same sort of controls. But for me, it's like. If I press B, I charge around. If I push X, I, like, hold up my shield. It's, like, that kind of thing because I play as the tank. But what I like about this is that it's difficult without being punishing in the sense that you can replay the same boss over and over again, like, 15 times. But you'll still accrue coins, which is how you purchase upgrades. So it's not, like, roguelike where you just die and then that's freaking it. It's, like, you can keep – and it's not roguelike at all, but that's something I don't like about roguelike games because I hate feeling like I'm not making progress and I'm losing, like – yeah, so um, I like a challenge, but I feel like you still get rewarded for trying. And then you can continue and purchase upgrades and go back and try it again. So right, really yeah, fun. like that helps you. It like helps you out a little bit. Yeah, you probably aren't well equipped if you keep dying. No, it'd be a really fun game for us to play too on a stream one of these times. I think we'd have a great time. All it's, right, yeah, I'm into it. Um, I played a game very briefly <laughs> that um is partially roguelike called darkest dungeon oh uh, which yeah was out previously but i was playing it on switch and i started this up and i immediately regretted my decision and was like this game is way too hard for me right now um so this game is known for being incredibly punishing um increasingly difficult and really kind of like if you like the punishing nature of the Souls series, um, throw some more salt in that wound and then play Darkest Dungeon. Um, <laughs> so I'm rubbing was, salt into the wound. Yeah, I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not in the mood for this right now. So I, I put it down and started pr- playing The Bridge instead. So this is a game that has been actually released on multiple platforms over a couple of different years. Um, I saw this game for the first time at GDC, I believe, several years ago, and was just enraptured by its beautiful art style, this hand-drawn, black-and-white, sketchbook kind of art style, uh, 2D. It's a puzzle game. Um, it's come to... Literally almost every platform imaginable. Windows, Linux, OS, um, Amazon Fire TV, Android, Xbox 360, Xbox One, Ouya, PS3, PS4, Vita, Will Vita. Vita still exist? 
Yeah, and now Nintendo Switch. And I never played it all the way through um, because I think I just – I saw it and loved it and then just never got around to playing it. And then when I was in the eShop getting Darkest Dungeon downloaded, I saw it on sale. Um, I don't know if it's still on sale, but it was on sale for $3.99 on Nintendo Switch eShop. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I never finished that game. Why don't I download it? It's a perfect game for the Nintendo Switch. Um, so I downloaded it and I just love this game. I, it's Aww. so rare that I indulge myself in playing a true like mind bending puzzle game that doesn't have some kind of platforming or action adventure element to it. It truly is just like an adventure puzzle game. It's just puzzles. Um, so for people that never um, heard of this game or never played it, it's inspired by the art of M.C. Escher and like his artworks, each level unfolds in grayscale with hand-drawn illustrations where you can rotate the world using the triggers on the switch and you can change the gravitational direction of individual objects. Um, and you can control your character uh, moving back and forth and rotating the world to kind of solve these puzzles. So there's like a locked door on each level and then you have to either find a way to get the key or if the door doesn't have a lock, you just have to find a way to get to the door. Uh, have either of you played this game? Mm-mm. No, but as you're describing it, I know that I've seen promotional material for this game. I was just looking yeah, at it's, uh, screenshots of it and it's beautiful. Yeah. The art is, is really well done. It's a very small team that made this game and I'm glad to see that it's had such long legs. Um, and two guys are the main guys that made it, uh, Ty Taylor and Mario Casaneda. Um, if you guys haven't had the chance like me, you've just missed it on literally every other platform. <laughs> uh, and you have a Switch, um, highly recommend that you take, you take the time to go and download, it, especially while it's on sale right now. Um, what's great about having it on the Switch is that I could just like sit on the couch and take my time with each of these puzzles, like if I'm like watching TV or, you know, like if I'm in a, like on a bus or in a plane, you know, it's like, it gives you time to just like think it out because there's no timers. There's no enemies. There are things in the world. If they touch you, they can kill you, but they're not actively like chasing after you. Mm. And that's what I love about this style of puzzle game is that it really like, kind of works that muscle in your brain that so many games just ignore for the fantasy of the action. And I love that. I love action fantasy games. But every once in a while, it's nice to really use use it like a mind-bending part of your brain and be like, I, I know that there's a solution to this puzzle. I just got to keep thinking about it and I'll figure it out. Um, it's cool. I highly recommend um, that you guys check it out if you have it not sounds yet. sounds like it could also be fun to play with someone else and work on the puzzles together. You know, it would take a very patient relationship in order uh, to do the puzzles. I prefer to work them out on my own because I get frustrated if somebody sees the thing that I don't. Obviously, like if you get stumped and you're just like, I can't figure it out, like asking someone for help is one thing. But I get frustrated when I'm trying to work it out on my own and somebody comes in and it's like, oh, there it is right there. And I'm like, but... I was gonna get there. I just—I'm <laughs> not as fast as you are. But, well, it's tough for me fresh, with John because John is so sometimes. smart. He usually just is like, "Oh, it's obvious. You didn't see it." I'm like, mm. "I'm stupid." Oh, John's You're ridiculous. We were we were reading like Andrew was reading jokes to us, just like little, you know, like two liner jokes, dad jokes, dad jokes. Yeah. 
And he got like several of the answers, you know, and it's like, how the hell did he know? He's like, I'm just smart. It's like, I think yes, he, you are, sir. I don't know if it was that so much as he's probably heard them before. He's also very good at dad jokes. Yeah. So I, my shtick, when we write out our monthly postcard, so one of our Patreon tiers is the IRL tier where we send you a customized handwritten uh, postcard. And one of my things I like to do is I like to write bad jokes, <laughs> good bad jokes or bad good jokes. I don't know. Um, on the postcards. And so inevitably it leads me to websites with terrible dad jokes. And yeah, I, I would ask them out loud. And usually the three of us and, and Alexa will like, we'll, we'll giggle at them or Alexa will usually roll her eyes. But Brittany usually gives me a giggle when I'm like, Oh, this one's funny. And it's, then John's like, Oh, I know the answer to that. I know the answer to that. And it takes the wind out of my sails. Yeah. It's always so cute because we'll be sitting around the table writing out the postcards and we always know what Andrea's doing because she starts like these like very like distinct giggles like under her breath and we're like, okay, she's looking at <laughs> we're like, tell us again. the joke. The tell punnier, the, the punnier, the better. That's what I learned. Yes, ex- exactly. They're good. Hopefully, um, listeners out there or watchers who receive the postcards of my jokes appreciate them as well. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is bullshit. What is this? Um, but anyway, I, I did want to talk, um, a little bit about um assassin's creed origins the hidden ones so i've talked about assassin's creed origins on this show plenty of times um the new expansion just came out this week um it raises the level cap from 40 to 45 and adds a new area the sanai which is comprised of four smaller areas um and a bunch of new side quests and of course you know circle of stones and other various things it does add more Philakes, which is daunting when you see like a level 45 like guy with a red horns on the map you're like ooh, please don't kill me <laughs> run away run away <laughs> um but um it's interesting because of where the story ends in assassin's creed and how they're kind of setting up where the brotherhood eventually goes to in rome they're kind of trying to tie those threads together so that you can um eventually they're obviously they're going to make like a follow-up to assassin's creed origins i have to imagine since it was so successful um but it was um it was nice getting back in there and really like the thing that hit me right away was the siren call of this amazing open world it was no sooner than i was in the world for a couple of minutes that i got the like the ping of like oh go to this area to go to sanai there's this quest with the hidden ones and i was like okay that's my goal and i got distracted like going to like go do this random side quest over here and it's like oh there's a question mark over there and i was like no andrea go (laughs) focus to the quest start point you have to play through this specific dlc because you're gonna talk about on the show don't get distracted (laughs) that's when you you put the horse on it and you're like horse go i know but it was really far away i had to fast i had to fast travel it was like three thousand meters or something it was too far to i mean you just get up and you go do something else (laughs) (laughs) because you would well you don't have it but you would have lost your animal friend if you had fast traveled and had one Oh, I just unlocked that, by the way. After hearing you talk about it on the show, I was like, you know, I never unlocked that ability. So I just unlocked animal taming. And? Um, nice. Did you don't animal. fast travel. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt, I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt it. But one of the things- Attempt a hippo! I, attempt a hippo! Oh, okay, I will. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, though, was 
I'm playing on easy and that's on me. I deliberately put it on easy, but I think now that I'm like level 42, 43, I need to, I think I need to bump the difficulty up now that I'm, you know, proficient with my weapons and I know how to use my tools and I got everything upgraded because I really wanted to get through the campaign relatively quickly, but now it's to the point where it's way too Mm -hmm. easy and so when I go in for some of these assassination missions, I'm like, oh, this isn't really hard at all. But I will I've say... I've never felt... So sorry, go ahead. ahead. You said you you never felt what, Steimer? Oh, just that like any of the assassination missions were that hard. Like I always find a way to like sneak and then just murder them and then yeah, it's that was, over. <laughs> you're totally right. That was a big criticism of this installment in the game was that the there was not a lot of creativity in the assassinations. And I that continues through the DLC. I will say that some of the forts, that there's this one fort that you go to that is enormous. And there are so many dudes in this fort that when I was flying over it with Senu, I was looking and, and like, you know, like when you're scouting it, like they will all pop up on the map. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot of dudes. I definitely cannot run in there guns blazing, <laughs> spears blazing or whatever, um, and try to take them all down. Like I will just instantly die. Um, and it did make sneaking around a lot more challenging, but, but it didn't make it hard because i managed by the time i i snuck around and i was just like slowly like assassinating everybody by the time i got through that i, I i'd killed like 75 percent of the dudes in this fort and i was like that's a lot of may dudes as well go killed. for a hundred percent i know <laughs> why not well there were six pieces of individual treasure to find in this one fort which is oh wow high. that's a lot yeah um so but it was it was really beautiful. Um, I took a really great screenshot. Um, I'm going to post it on Twitter when we're done with the show. But like the game is just so gorgeous. It's such a beautiful open world. And I know we had somebody um, write in to our reader mailbag um, about this, about Assassin's Creed and how beautiful the open world was. And I was like, yeah, like this game was amazing. It was like my number two game of 2017 underneath Horizon. Like, I loved it. I thought they did an excellent job. And so if you're looking to spend more time in Assassin's Creed, you can check out the hidden ones. Done. Yeah. And there's more mounts. There's a new, um, there's a new mount that, um, that looks like, um, that there's a new camel mount that looks like a unicorn. It's called a unicamel. A unicamel? It's got like a, like a <laughs> rainbow mohawk. It's a little bit weird. Yeah, it was part of the wacky pack that came out, but there's two new mounts that are part of this. And then somebody also wrote in to us, I think it was Matt, who wrote in to say that we should really check out the Final Fantasy quest line. Because at the end of the quest line, you get a Final Fantasy shield, sword, and you get a chocobo. What? Like an actual oh, the chocobo? chocobo? I thought it was like, well, a it's, thing it's for more the like horse. a camel that looks like a chocobo. What? I saw, the only what? screenshot I saw this same chocobo was its butt and it looked very chocobo like so i'd like i'd be curious to see what this looks like go get it chocobo. girl you go get yourself that chocobo butt yeah so th- I mean, he sent me a photo but like i mean it's obviously not an exact chocobo but it looks it's called like the kehu mount i think yeah so it looks how do you spell it i mean like a it looks like a chocobo camel? it's got a beak and feathers how do you spell it um it's called i'm sure if you just googled Chocobo, Chocobo Camel. K-E-H-U. But yeah, 
You can look at it. There's um. <laughs> go look at I it. I am looking at this. Go, this is relevant go look at it. Interest. It looks like a chocobo. Anyway, um, so I'm going to track those down and try to play with them too because they look cool. But you, as a Final Fantasy fan, I would I would think that you would want to see them. I, I'm desperate for some Final Fantasy 15 shenanigans in my life. I just wrapped up the Comrades um, multiplayer Yes, let's expansion. talk about it. Yeah. Tell me about it. So, Tell me about it. Oh, it is a weird camel bird. Camel bird. <laughs> That's a good Right? It looks kind of like a camel, sort of. Like an ostrich almost. It is a camel. It's wearing a mask. Wait, really? I can't but find it's a got a beak. Oh, well. It looks like a camel, but has like sort of one of the masks that, um, with the beak. The beak is a mask. And then it's got, yeah, it's got feather butt. Oh, that's the stuff of nightmares. That's weird. I am not diggity down with that. Um, anyway. Oh, wait. Maybe the beak isn't a mask. Now I'm confused. I just saw the body of a camel and the tail of a chocobo and it freaks me out and it gives me nightmares. It's <laughs> real weird because I'm looking at it from a different, different photo angle and now the beak looks like it's attached one, one to of not a mask. Many mysteries. Um, I don't know. So, so I talked about Final Fantasy 15 Comrades a while back, and one of my complaints about it was the loading times were really slow. It was super duper grindy. Um, but they released a Square released a patch last month in December. I want to say like December 12th or 11th or so, one of those days, and it did speed up the loading times significantly for me, which was nice. Um, and it's the kind of game that I can't just sit down and play for like hours and hours on end. It's the kind of game I can play when I'm walking on the treadmill trying to pass the time and Jason's playing something on the treadmill next to me so I can watch his screen. Because for a, for the majority of this game, it was just mindless grinding. Now, I did play with AI, and I think if you play with real players, you can take on levels that are a little higher than your level. So if you're level like 30, you can take on like probably level 40 without any hardship. Um, so I grinded i ground my heart out i don't know how, how you fudge you would say that but i grinded did, grinded i did a lot of grinding and i got past this hump where it was like i had to redo the same mission over and over and over again but i got past that and then after that you grinded to get past a hump i grinded to get past a hump um because i was curious you know like what's the point of this because this dlc obviously takes place during a certain time span in the storyline where shit hits the fan and i was curious about this time because the game did not expand upon this at all so, um, I unlocked all of the things. I did all of the things and you do get some pretty interesting information at the end of the CLC because it does have like an end ish. It's an end of the story, but there's other things you can do after. But, um, if you don't have the season pass, it is $20. I can't personally, I would say if you're in it for the story and to find out what happened, just Google the cutscenes unless you have some friends that you really want to play with. It does get some interesting information, but it's nothing like earth shattering, I guess. Um, for me, I'm just desperate for more Final Fantasy 15 at this scratch that itch. Good enough. I do hope, I know there's more coming to this, uh, DLC. You will be able to play as Final Fantasy 15 familiar faces, I think is what they're calling them. I'm hoping they expand upon the story a little bit more, but for now, I'm done with it. Um, yeah, I mean, Nothing super remarkable. It was fun. It's the kind of game that you want to play to pass the time when I'm walking on a treadmill. <laughs> That's like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's some people who really loved it. And there's a lot of strategy that can go into grinding and forming the perfect weapon. And yes, I see you shaking, nodding your head to my grinding comment. You know, you can do more strategic things. There are other quests that I haven't finished yet that are like 
level 45 and I'm like a level 34. And it's like, if that's not going to unlock any additional story and I've looked and it doesn't, I don't see any other reason to continue playing. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Yeah. It's there. It's there. It exists. It's, it's still flawed, but it's fun. Just still flawed content, but with the loading times are still pretty intense and you do have to grind a lot and it's, you know, the servers are constantly down, at least for me. And, but whatever, it's all good. If, if you're, if you're a Final Fantasy 15 fan, you want the lore, you want the story, Google the cutscenes, don't pay $20. That's but if you were buying the season's pass anyway, you might you enjoy get it. it. If you like that kind of thing, like the, the grinding, maybe you, you're a person who likes grinding. Congratulations. You might enjoy this, but <laughs> a winner is you. We <laughs> found the perfect game. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that. Yes, now, I have that wait, good. now I have to wait for the episodes. Arden. Thank you for the validation. Yeah, Alexa, I need you. <laughs> you get some glazed looks oh, no. from these ladies. <laughs> I mean, I just don't I don't know anything about this. It's, yeah. it's, it's very difficult. It's fine. Everything's um, fine. Steimer, did you yes. want to talk about Critical, critical Role? Critical Role. I do. I do want to talk so about So what it. is Critical uh, Role? So Critical Role is a show on Geek and Sundry that is comprised of very talented voice actors playing a game of D&D, uh, Dungeons and & Dragons. And it started out because they they were just playing this game offline. Like, nobody was watching them. They were just playing because they're fun. Like, they're friends in real life, and they were just had this thing. I think Geek and Sundry found out about it and, like, wanted to televise or not, Internet televise it. Um, and so they just... They finished a campaign that they'd been doing for years. I want to say it's definitely at least five, probably closer to six or seven. I can't remember off the top of my head. And they just kicked off a brand new campaign in the beginning of this year, which means brand new characters. So, like, there was a lot to try and catch up on before where if you were like, I don't really know if I want to listen to this show or not, you, you would be very lost if you just came into the middle of it. Yeah. So now it's kind of a nice refresh point there's a lot there's already a fair amount to catch up on because these episodes they go for a long time so they are every thursday um streamed on both twitch and youtube on geek and sundry's channels uh and they're about three and a half to four hours long each there's a break in the middle but uh it's just them playing D D, but they all have new characters and my favorite one is jester and she talks like this oh, and this is laura bailey's character and she is the most adorable, and I love her very, very much. And so I have been doing this at work, and everybody thinks it's really weird. But I don't <laughs> really mind because I I just, I don't know. It just happens sometimes, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, a, is that a Russian accent? I don't know. She is a tiefling, and the tiefling is... um. She has like the horns and she has a tail and they are made from demons. And this is just how she talks. This is, I don't know. I don't know what Laura's inspiration was, but <laughs> this is, this is the gesture sort of. I'm not doing it just as she does it much better, but she's very, well, I mean, very cute. she's fucking amazing. <laughs> if we can't find a guest one week, like that should just be our like fourth guest, your voice, that voice right there. We can give it an alter ego, give it a new name. No, we got to get Laura on the show. I would love to have her on. Yeah. Um, oh, I would, yeah, I would, I would love to have Laura on the show. So, Steimer, did you play D&D when you were growing up or in your adult years? 
I did not, and I've been, I'm, like, desperate to play this game after after watching this show. Because, like, I, I watched the original campaign on and off. Um, I first started watching it when they first started going and was super confused because I'd never played D&D before. I had no idea what was going on. So I kind of bounced and was like, I love you, Laura, and, like, Travis, but I don't know what's going on. Somehow, I, I just randomly picked it back up again and watched an episode a couple years later, like a year later and understood everything. So I have no idea <laughs> what happened, what happened, but I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Was it because you watch stranger things and you're like, Oh, I get it now. I just, I magically infused this information into my body somehow. I have no idea how I did that, but, and now, yeah, like seeing them and seeing how much fun they have and, and I just keep thinking things like I really wish D&D was real life in certain situations, particularly insight checks. Like, can you imagine how amazing life would be if you're like, I'm going to see if you're lying or not. Roll the dice. And like, you have a decent chance to see whether or not they're telling you the truth. I would love That's amazing. to do D&D with you ladies. I've done a few rounds in my day and it is so much fun. I love it. It's like right up that fantasy alley of mine that I love so much. Confession. So, I've never played D&D. Not one well, time. Neither have I. I played, I think I played the board game version of it. Was there a board game version of it? Like way back when, Probably. when I was like in like elementary school. Oh, I'm sure. I, I mean, like I think there there's was. been a lot of iterations of like the D and D's. Maybe we can find a, uh, a GM. We need a teacher. Yeah. Or someone to, yeah, we need a DM. Yeah. To dungeon master. Do our shenanigans. I call them game master. Probably same thing. GM, DM. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same thing. To host a game or two for us in San Francisco next time we're all together. That would be really fun. It'd be fun. They definitely have internet things too. Like you can play with groups over online, but yeah, I really, I want like, I want like that paper and pen. I want to be like rolling the dice with oh, you guys. Yeah. No, it's super duper fun. I love it. And I would, I would do it more often if, but you know, I don't have any yeah. DMs or DMs around here. So it's sad. I just got to go up to, uh, closer to downtown Seattle and there's like tons of like groups you can join and whatever, but I don't have time, but I'd love to do I that. I bet we could probably organize something at PAX East. <gasps> That'd be fun. That'd do be like a little so one-off. I bet yes. you we have okay, plenty yes. of WGGers out there adorable. <laughs> who would love to to play some D&D with us. Um, and maybe you guys could teach me um, how to play. Uh, speaking of WGGers, somebody asked me on one of the – I don't know if it was on Facebook or somewhere. They're like, what do you guys call your audience? Do you guys like have a name? Um, you're just like hmm. the what's good gamers? And I was like, well, no, I don't know because like – you know, people like have names for their audience yeah, or whatever. Kind of and funny. I was he has like, best friends, and we have. Yeah, and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, Easy cool Allies has the allies, you know. And I was just like, oh, I don't know. Um, so maybe we can like put a poll out to everybody uh, in the community if you guys have suggestions or if you identify a specific way. If you're in, in our Facebook group, let us know. If you're on our Facebook page, let us know. Tweet to us. Um, you can be the saltines. Damn it, Steimer. I'm just kidding, but I just thought of it and I wanted to She's say She's like, kidding, not kidding? <laughs> right? No, but it would just be funny because it's also a cracker. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, D&D sounds like something that we should, um, we should try. Um, and I'm open and willing to learn. As long as I don't, I don't have to lie in that game, do I? It's not like Resistance no. or some of those no. other board games, right? 
No, we so work cooperatively. You build your own character, so you basically and you can pick your alignment. So like if you wanted to play a relatively good play or like a good character, you would be like lawful good. And that means like your character tends to follow the rules and always wants to do the right thing in the situation. Whereas I would probably end up with something more of like a neutral, chaotic character who's just kind of like, I do what I want and like not really worry about anything else. And then there's people who play um, like evil, uh, whatever, just like evil characters. And like you can you can do that, too. So it's all based on what you want to play. And the different classes will have different skills um, naturally boosted. I think you still have to roll for your uh, your stats. But like. Yeah. For instance, a a warlock would have a higher, a higher know, base know, like ma- magic attack, and then you could roll to see what your additional right. magic would be. That kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of a thing. And so you can also have characters that are like lower on charisma, and so you'd have to play them a little bit more awkward. Or you could have a really high charisma character, and then be like just charming the pants off of everybody that you talk to. So there's a lot of variety, and you can kind of play it how you want. But you work together. More or less, yes. to, to do things. So it's fun. It's what it, yeah. We can have like a really like fun party. Is, it's like life is strange before the storm. Andrea, you've done D anD D, so I can just be Chloe and be like, I don't know anything. I don't have to make up anything. I can just choose from options. If you wanted, like, we could help you build a character. Okay, like that wouldn't that wouldn't be hard. Yeah, we could be like, what what do you kind of want to play as, and we can be like, all right, you want something like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it hasn't been painfully obvious to everybody listening, I literally have like no idea how to play D anD D. Just like completely. That's okay. I mean, I still don't really. I just know there's a lot of dice, <laughs> and it looks like a lot of fun. No, it's really and, fun. And you so can like and you Andrew can talk said. like you can talk with an accent. You can talk. With, oh, you can do your. Oh, yes, you can be do your South Dakota, the Bagel Baker, North Dakota steamer. I'm sorry, Come God, I keep saying South Dakota because it's the only one I've been to. Oh, oh my gosh! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta Are you sorry though? Are you sorry? I doesn't I'm sound so like you're actually sorry. sorry. <laughs> She's very very sorry. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we should totally do that at PAX. So if you friends uh, are listening and would like to help us out with that, DM slash GM, whatever the cool kids really call it, that'd be really fun. Yeah, if you guys want to do just like a like a one-off story. Yeah. Let's do it. That sounds awesome. All right. We will uh, we'll make it happen. Um, we are getting to the end of the show. So because we've had such a, a long couple of segments, we've decided to just cut the third segment today since the show is already two hours long. <laughs> and uh, we'll just save reader mail um, for next time. But of course, as always, you guys are welcome to write into us. You can write to us on Facebook, on Twitter, at contact at whatsgoodgames.com, um, on Patreon, wherever you can get a hold of us please let us know if there's ever questions that you you know would like answers to we don't make guarantees that we're going to answer your question but um we'll do our best to try to get to it um eventually um until next week Brittany, is there anything that you want to make sure people need to know about what we've got going on what do we have going on thanks for putting me on the stop on the spot andrea <laughs> you did this a couple weeks ago and i was like we love you guys <laughs> What am I supposed to say? What are we supposed to say? I guess our next big event is PAX East, like we were talking about. We have some fun videos coming your way if you are a patron of ours, including a studio tour. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, wow. yeah, that's coming up in for, for, for February. February yeah. So there's still time to get in. If you guys are listening to the show and at some yeah. point you've thought, hey, 
maybe I could toss the girls a buck. For just $1, you get access to our Patreon exclusive video and our feed. Um, and for next month, that means a behind-the-scenes studio tour with me and Britt. Uh, we will be doing a full, beautiful, fancy studio tour on a new series that Twitch is doing, but that is not coming up for a couple of months. So if you want first dibs on a behind-the-scenes look narrated by me and Brittany, um, that is going to be launching in February for our exclusive video. Um, up this month is, um, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, the Easy Bake Oven and, of course, the secret segment um, of us talking about um, – our favorite things from 2017. Yes. yes. Thank you, Steimer. No. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for everybody for, for tuning into the show this week. Don't forget, you can head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash what's good games if you want to check out our new hippo shirt along with our other line of merchandise. We will be back next week with lots more commentary on video games. Until then, have a wonderful weekend, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 That's my Kermit voice for you, girl. Oh, my God. Oh, girl. I love it. 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 I love